Welcome to Unbooking the Territory as we continue our journey through the highest and lowest TV rated episodes of the Monday Night Wars for each creative period. This week sees Chris Kresge's highest rated episode on the TNN network. How dare you start the grieving process without me? That no family member or anybody not invited should not get involved in this. But I really felt, I mean, I really, from the bottom of my heart, felt that you should take a look at this. Oh, oh, my, God. God. oh my God! I'm here! In case you didn't hear, I admit, I did it. I ran over Austin. It's a good thing the criminal charges were dropped. And you ask why? Damn right. I didn't do it for me. No, I didn't do it for me. I did it for The Rock. What? I did it for The Rock. So how are you this week, Dan? Not too bad, Sam. Finally got the last uh, finishing touches put on the home bar. So ready and waiting for people to come round and I can tell them to fuck off and get out of my pub. So, yeah, I'm happy. It's going well. How are you, mate? Are you going to join Pub Watch and uh, have pictures of the local undesirables that you're not going to let into the pub? <laughs> no, I can't do that. It'd be most of my friends. All three no, of them. I'm good. Town is starting the European Adventure tomorrow. Uh, always enjoy uh, that time of the year when we get to uh, play in European competition. It's away at Swansea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get two European trips a year, don't you, at the minute? Swansea and Cardiff. Exactly, exactly. You know, so you know, sometimes we've only had one, so, you know, this is a real bonus. We're, we're going to go get deep. Wrexham in the cup, so you might get three. We might. Yeah, yeah. Well, Newport County or something, we'll be away, yeah. won't we? Yeah. yeah. So, so you can hear there, and with his football expert, we've got a guest on this show this week. He's all over content creation in terms of football is there on um, Radio Techers, um, the Anti-Football Podcast, Claret's Report, and on the wrestling side, there's articles on Chop Kicks. It's Chris Harris. How are you this week, Chris? Yeah, not bad. Uh, I like how you say, oh, he's everywhere. You know, he's all over the place. I'm like a rat getting everywhere, honestly, like a cockroach. Maybe not the best thing on a wrestling podcast to say you're a rat. You know, that, that's uh, kind of exactly. like... <laughs> Run on Tinder, isn't it? You know? <laughs> no, but <Oopsie>. I mean... <laughs> At least it started yeah. off less chaotically than last time. Aye, exactly, yeah. I did it so it was smooth, seamless. <laughs> Took about a week. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I got an actual introduction this time, so... I don't uh, remember what I said about you last time, to be honest. I think you just said, oh yeah, Chris is here. No. <laughs> Sounds about right. If it, if it was me doing it, it's the shit house entrance uh, intro. Exactly. Not special. Nah. Yeah. I've got to be a bit nicer to you today though, because you're you're a little bit poorly sick. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like God doesn't want me appearing on this podcast. I mean, you know, last time I was full cold, and this time I've been spewing my guts out. So. I think it's the effect that Dan has on me, to be fair. I mean, I heard he has that effect on many people, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it is true. Um, even just seeing this face on the screen can do that to people. 
exactly. I'm definitely not going to be popping around to your pub. I mean, I'm just I'm just waiting for the moment where you know, unlike the sheriffs are coming or um, can't pay, will take it away when they come out of your pub shed. I'm just waiting for that. So Dan Griffiths owes twenty thousand pounds. Not a chance of that. I didn't fucking I didn't fucking pay any any of it. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, you got me name. If they do come looking for Dan Griffiths, then they can have him because I'm Dan Griffin. No, sorry, so that's my call. That's my call. It says your name right there. I can read. Sometimes people just misspeak. Actually, that officially makes you the best product of the Burnley education system. <laughs> well, I'm not from Burnley. So. Yeah, you are. You're a Burnley fan, therefore you're from Burnley. Right, OK. Well, we, we keep saying Max is from Paddyham, so watch out, otherwise we'll say you are from there too. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. You call him the Paddy and Predator, but no one who isn't a Burnley fan understands that. They just think you're calling him a nonce. Which is he why I find it funny. He played, he played for town, Andy Payton, that is, not Max. Although... Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> not Max. Mags been some job, as a job yeah. to be fair. Yeah. I've never seen Mags and Stephen McNulty in the same place. I reckon they might be the same person. Probably are. I know Chris isn't drinking because he's not very well, but um, it does sound I mean, like... If I do feel a bit better, I've, I've got a, um, a Copperberg with me because I feel like I shouldn't go too hard, but I want to get into the spirit of the show. So Don't feel you have to, mate. Don't, just, if you've been spewing up, don't risk your guts. What are you drinking, Dan? At the minute, I'm on an Overtone Brewing Company chocolate chip stout. It's uh, it's not half bad, 6.5%. It's right enough. It's Yeah, it's slightly above average. And then I've got a Vocation Brewery Special Edition Honeycomb Chocolate Stout at 7%. I've actually already had one of these. It is bloody delicious. And then I've got a really nice one, which is Northern Monk, uh, Edward Street Bakery and Culinary Concepts Collaboration, Peanut Butter and Jelly Cornflake Tart Stout, which is 9%. I had one of those the other night as well. And they are absolutely banging. It's like the older brother of the uh, Stars and Stripes that Northern Monk did for Tesco. Oh, I've got to get that. That was amazing. Stars and Stripes was amazing. Yeah, so it's um, Patrons Project 32.02. Excellent. Um, well, it, it is Christmas because, uh, well, even when this podcast comes out, it's nowhere near, but there's Christmas stuff in the shops. So I've got Nailers Brewery um, Cratchit Cracker, which is a 4.2% ale. That um, sounds like that sounds like an like an old world STD. Yeah, probably is. It's it's Chris's closest brewery as well. So <laughs> don't know if that's anything. What, what's up with you, mate? You're walking a bit side. funny. Yeah. Yeah. I've got oh, I've got Cratchit Cracker. I've got a couple. Uh, get cream for that. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a couple of beer fifty twos um, to have after that. I've got a Javoski Jura, which says eleven percent on the front of the bottle and says. Four and a half percent on the back, so that's I've a gamble. Had, I've had them. Yeah, those those beers lie. It yeah. just means it's a number like number eleven, number twelve, and number thirteen. I think. Mm, very sad. And then I've got a Zamaski Petvara Stout, which is five point eight percent. And I'll be back off to the fridge. Fair enough. Yeah, I've had them out of uh, beer fifty two. They were they were all right. Although, like you, always disappointed that it seemed to lie on the bottle. Well, this um, Jamaska is the second one that we've had from Beer 52 um, of the same thing in different boxes. So, uh, bloody Beer 52. <laughs> we praised him to high heaven on the one that released this week. <laughs> no, I, I do enjoy Beer 52. The Beer 52 fairy came uh, the other day. Um, so the delivery lady from Hermes was 
Uh, I, I knocked on the door and I went and opened it and she was there stroking a cat and she's like, you've got a really nice cat. And I'm like, I ain't got a cat. It's like she appeared with a random cat and a box of beer. So took the uh, box of beer off her and let her keep the cat. To be fair, Sounds. I'm surprised if it were Hermes that ended up getting to you in one piece. Fashion. Two foot the crate. So she yeah. <laughs> this is the February box. Yeah. <laughs> So now it's time for the beer sommelier section of the show where the listeners can sit back and relax and, well, they'll probably be the virtual Nia Jets because uh, now that the tag team's fallen apart, she'll be wandering around the roster looking for something to do and uh, what's old is new, so they'll uh, get Reginald recommending beers that, uh, oh, well, being the sommelier, and he can recommend beers and we can recommend beers that you can drink while you're watching this episode of uh, Monday Night Raw. So do you have a recommendation, Chris? Well, I was thinking um, I was going to try and like sort of tie it into the show. Um, I thought, you know, I'll try and be sort of clever. But recently, I actually uh, tried something what I do really like, and I just thought, you know, bugger that, I'll just shout this out. It was, um, I tried a Brothers Honeycomb cider, and I just thought it was really nice. It's got a um, 3.5 on untapped, and yeah, which is really nice. So I thought I'd, I'd shout that out because I really liked it. Not bad, Carl. I've had a few Brothers flavours, and they were really nice. Yeah, that Honeycomb sounds awesome. Mm. Yeah, I've had the honeycomb, it's nice. It's a good, it's a good choice, that one. Dan? Uh, well, I'm not going to tie it into this show or our show. I'm going to tie it into uh, a show I was on uh, recently. I was recorded an episode of Bang Bang with Andy. Uh, and in honour of Andy, I'm going to recommend you drink any ca- uh, cans of Euro piss. Uh, so be it Heineken, Stella, anything like that. Just drink enough that you're nice and buzzed. Wax some wrestling on and enjoy it. Yeah, fantastic. It's uh, always good to hear about Andy's laughable pace. That sounds so wrong in isolation. If he has a problem with it, he can contact Chris Bellis, who's yeah. uh, expert <laughs> on the tract. Get yourself down to Cottingham. I've gone for Common Grounds from Magic Rock. It's a coffee porter at 5.4% because Chris Jericho accidentally spills his coffee on Kane during this episode of Raw. It's um, one that I've given four out of five to an untapped. Uh, Beth gave 2.25 to, and Dan, you've given 3.5. It's a nice drop. It is, but yeah, uh, yet another Magic Rock recommendation. Um, Been all over this show, really. Sponsorship. Yeah, Yeah, we need need them to sponsor. Probably have to ask, though, that's the problem. We're more successful than Huddersfield, Sam. They've done a beer that's um, sort of limited edition at the stadium. But it'll last forever, though, won't it? You only get a few in. Uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll never overtake Benedictine. In no. I'll say that. It won't. Fucking so, Benedictine's rancid. Yeah, I mean, I'm convinced that people just say that they like it so <laughs> they can look down at people who don't like it. That's the only reason. It's <sighs> like a test of strength. Unless you're robbing your Stockholm Syndrome into it by Beth. Yeah, that's the thing. It's because it's the only beer she lets him drink. Well, we were this close to a Benedictine sponsorship and that's out of the water now. Good. Good, you don't want one. So now it's time for Beth's Beer of the Week. And Beth's Beer of the Week is original Stormtrooper beer, Galactic Pale Ale, because it's about Star Wars and you can get it at B&M. So, best beer of the week there was Galactic Pale Ale version 2.0, which is an original Stormtrooper beer at 4.8%. It's one that uh, I've given 2.75 to an untapped. Um, Beth had this last night and forgot to untap it. So, she sent through the 
<laughs> Beer of the Week and hasn't actually recorded a rating for it as yet, but uh, that'll be in the post. Well, I think it's safe to assume that she must hate it then. Just going out on a limb, you know, if it's unrated, she must not like it. That's why she's recommended it. Well, Beth, doesn't, Beth, Beth doesn't recommend beers that she likes. Uh, That's the gimmick at the minute. She likes the can. Fair, yeah, they are good cans, to be fair. I've had a couple of those Stormtrooper beers. The cans are from the beer's average. As we said before, this is the highest rated episode while Chris Kresge is on TNN. It has a rating of 5.5. The last episode, that was the last show we reviewed, was um, is low at uh, 4.8. While he's on TNN, he has an average of 5.23, although he's only there for seven episodes. That compares to his time when he was on the USA um, Network for 49 episodes, where he had an average of 6.11. And when Stephanie McMahon replaces him the average will go down to 4.2 for the rest of the monday night wars although we have speculated previously that there's less homes for tnn so maybe it's not too fair to compare yeah i was just about to say that but i didn't know i thought you had more i thought you had more to come on that so i was just waiting for you to carry on um yeah. but yeah it's there's a couple of things in there that you can say there and plus we've said it before how the uh, the the variety and quality of these episodes is just insane so it wouldn't surprise me if it had turned a few people off here won a few there and just been really fluctuating the low rated episode in the usa was up against the tennis wasn't it or they are pushed back for the tennis should i say yeah. so a couple of mitigating factors but yeah thank god was... the rating you know was only that low i mean if they'd have come up against the westminster dog show i mean it would have plummeted so <laughs> well <laughs> there, we did watch the was it the episode of Nitro's up against the Westminster Dog Show? And it was one of the Sullivan and Taylor ones. And it was so bad that I was trying to find clips on YouTube of the Westminster Dog Show. I'd rather watch the dog show than that dog shit. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's a bonus episode, watching the dog show. Well, I couldn't find it. I think um, the, like later versions of the dog show we can probably find, but the 2001. Uh, just, just watch... I'll be able to find, like, Crufts or something. Right? Just, just watch a dog show getting pissed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, what's going on. Yeah. Well, there's a dog and they're running. It's, it's, you don't have to think too hard to figure it out. You do have to several high percentage stouts. <laughs> yeah, but it's not exactly intellectual telly, is it? No, it's wrestling, but we're still sat here talking about it. Yeah, true. I don't know, those dogs are pretty clever. <laughs> Probably cleverer than a good portion of wrestlers. Yeah. Mm. So this show came from the Hartford Civic Centre, um, the Memorial Coliseum in Connecticut. Again, with it being 2000, there's no record of how many people were there because we're back in the wrestling dark ages. This arena is the home of WrestleMania 11, and that has the highest recorded attendance for this arena at 15,000. There's also No Way Out 2000, which got um, 12,551, which was on in February 2000, so relatively close to this. And then Vengeance So Far and Money in the Bank 2019 are going to be at this arena. Fair enough. I think looking at it, rough guess, you could say maybe 10,000 tops. It was a decent crowd. I don't think you'd be saying there were 4,000 or anything by any stretch of the imagination in here. It was, a, it was quite a few people that brought quite a few signs with them. So. Uh, and they were definitely loud as well. That's something I noticed. Mm. It, it were, you know, and you always get that with Attitude Era, but it was a hot crowd. Yeah, but with the signs, it was very much, we'll get to it later, but it was very much quantity over quality. Mm, it was. Yeah. It was. I struggled. 
<laughs> so it, yeah, so did I. But it was. It's not like I'm not like I've been watching those nitros, and you just have that glorious moment where somebody just stands up and holds up like an A2 sign of a, just a hand-drawn cock and balls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the people on Nitro just didn't give a shit when it came to sides. It just be half of them would just be like Scott Steiner's face. <laughs> <laughs> but it's better than better than half of half. Of, like thirty percent are just various rock catchphrases. The yeah, rest is the rest is something three sixteen. Well, we've already seen um, a fan being escorted out of the uh, building for having a, an anti-Lodi sign and Tank Abbott beating up a fan for having an anti-three-count sign. So the WCW fans were probably scared of what they were bringing in. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see that next time we cover Nitro, but I don't think they were. I don't, the ones up in the stands couldn't give a fuck. <laughs> Before we go on to the top five, it's probably just worth mentioning that they paid tribute to Yokozuna at the start of this show. Uh, Yokozuna had actually died the same day the show uh, went out. He died of a uh, pulmonary embolism. He, he was actually in uh, Liverpool at the time at the uh, Moat House Hotel, currently on tour with Brian Dixon's big time wrestling promotion. I mean, obviously, we'd sort of seen Yokozuna on um, some of the earlier episodes that we reviewed, sort of the 95. 96 episodes. It was always it was always a fun time seeing him tag with Owen. I remember that Owen and sorry, Yoko Owen versus Men on a Mission match that we looked at. Owen obviously put in the bulk of the work and did all the selling and the bumping. But when Yoko actually got in, he, that motherfucker could move in short bursts. He was a very good big man. And then we saw him against uh, uh, we saw him against Vader, didn't we? Yes. That was another one where they had that, that great angle of Vader, just put Vader over as an absolute, complete monster. Yeah, and they actually had swearing on the show, didn't they? Sort of Yokozuna swearing while he was injured. It, it felt like a bit of a seed change at the time from the programming we'd had to sort of have this vicious attack. And Yeah, very much so. The, the products that yeah. we'd had. Um, but, I mean, you know, on the That Night's Wrestling podcast pay-per-views that we reviewed, we're, we're just sort of getting into the start of... Yoko's time in WWF, late 92, early 93. And, I mean, he was even more sort of agile at that point. Yeah, before the um, before the weight really, really got out of control. He really was fantastic. And it's one of those wrestlers who obviously I was, you know, I was a kid back then. I, I didn't really appreciate all that much. But going back and looking at his work and, and the matches he put together. Yeah, it's one of, it's a guy that, he's a guy that, grown to enjoy more over time, very much so. Yeah, it's a sad loss. So now it's time for us to go through our collective top five, whether it be good, bad, or just talking points, and uh, come to uh, a collective agreement between us. Uh, so, Chris, as you're the guest, what's your first one? Well, I mean, there's, there's quite a few talking points from the from this show. I think the, the a good place to start off would be um, the Kurt Angle promo that we get sort of halfway through. So, you know, throughout the night, they've been sort of building up, oh, when's Kurt Angle going to turn up? Or when, when are they, when's he going to get to the building? And the show, once he gets to the building, he rolls up in a limousine, he comes out with Stephanie McMahon, there's all the paparazzi taking photos of him. And then he comes down to the ring, an absolutely stupid amount of confetti and balloons falls from the ceiling. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Kurt keeps talking about how... how um, what people think a successful year is would be get, getting a promotion or getting a raise. And he actually says overcoming obstacles like being born in Hartford, Connecticut, which got a big boo. And they said, well done on that, Stephanie. And that just made me chuckle. 
there was loud asshole chants, and then a video starts playing. Kurt's narrating over it. He says how he's the first Eurocontinental champion, which, by the way, I always thought that's a dumb name because Europe is a continent. So what? It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a stupid name. But he says he was the first Eurocontinental champion apart from D'Lo Brown, who doesn't count, <laughs> which got a big laugh out of me. <laughs> You're a poet. <laughs> what uh, about what makes a man super great? <laughs> JR just goes super great in that JR voice. <laughs> I'm, I'm pissing myself at this point. Rick Fordley rudely comes out to interrupt, gives Kurt Angle a celebratory hug, starts crying about how proud he is, and then sets up a triple threat for the main event between Triple H and The Rock. And I just thought this was an absolutely brilliant dumb promo, and Kurt Angle was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> there was shithousery all around in this. Mm. Because that when you say about the confetti and the balloons... And the fireworks, all that in its in of itself is obnoxious as shit. And then Kurt goes on, he's on about his accomplishments for the year, like he said. But he goes, he starts about winning the European title first, and he claims that tourism improved in Europe as a whole by thirty eight percent. And then he, he wins the IC title. Then he goes on about winning the King of the Ring, and he says, unbelievably, sales of crowns and scepters grew forty nine percent overnight. <laughs> Just absolutely shit out in the statistics. And the Mick Foley stuff was, it's well documented how much we love Mick Foley on this show. But it was um, when he's, you know, he's giving him a hug and saying how proud he is. Because he says something like, um, guess you're wondering why six different people haven't come out here and suggested creative ways to, creative ways to hurt you with those balloons. It's because Foley didn't ask, uh, ask them not to. Because Mick knows better than anyone how special it is to stand in the ring as the champion for the first time with the title around your waist. And he just, he really hammed it up. Being proud of him, like you said, with the with the crime and all that. And then just say, oh, by the way, you're in a triple threat match, you prick. Just before that, he did the whole thing with saying that um, Kurt was probably um, pissed off because he hadn't received a congratulatory hug from Stephanie McMahon. But don't worry, I'm a really great hugger. And yeah. then Mick Foley hugs him for a really uncomfortably long time. <laughs> <laughs> Cue obligatory joke about me pissed up at the uh, True Grit show in, in York. Well, I thought we'd mentioned that a few times on this podcast, so <laughs> everyone's well aware of your uh, Chanel. Oh, well well, just, just in case people forgot. Uh, there we go. Well, Dan was basically giving uh, women at ringside an uncomfortably long hug, and uh, we were giving them a standing five count, and then going, break it up, break it up. <laughs> it was people I know, and I was trying to stand up. It's the part, same- I think. <laughs> Dan went to the bar and he came back with six Budweiser's and we thought, oh, Dan's got a round in. No, they were all for him. <laughs> and I spilt at least two of them. And then you went back and got four Bulmers. Fucking yeah, I did as well, didn't I? Silly bastard. Anyway, back to the point. What yeah, was this the point? Is, uh, you were talking about Angle's promo. Talking about how awkward you are around women, is that it? No, it's still talking about Angle's promo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Leave that alone, you little bastard. <laughs> I mean, Stephanie Lamb was quite awkward in. Well, she, she's quite awkward in two thousand, really, isn't she? I was going to say this segment, but yeah, just in general. Uh, but uh, a delivery in, in whatever she says at this point, it's kind of it's awkward to the point that it makes you hate her. It's almost know. like it's part of the character. Yeah. She she couldn't even get the cheap pop over. 
she just yeah. feels like a member of the youth team that's getting the last 20 minutes of the each game to try and you know work up some match fitness to uh, come into the first team squad it, it just feels like we're sitting through awful stuff i mean she gets a lot better later on in her career and she's incredibly confident now well, you know well when she starts hamming it up it's not like a dad but like now at this point she sort of seems more normal which isn't a good thing in wrestling <laughs> that's actually a really good way to put it yeah. believable as a person though. yeah we don't like people who are real people. Exactly. Real people are fat and sit on their arse all the time. We don't want that. Wow, I've called out much. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you, no, come on. You're the realest person that I know, Dan. He's the, the poshest person I know. He is, yeah, he owns Mercedes. I don't own it, Elise. Uh, you make that very clear every time you bring that up. And I make it clear every time that I don't believe you. <laughs> Fuck's sake. So, if, I owned, if I had enough money for a Mercedes, do you think I'd lose still living with my parents? They've built a bar at the back of the garden. Nothing's getting you. Exactly, out. yeah. If you win the lottery, you're not moving out. <laughs> yeah, all right, this is true. Really? This is true. If you had money, you wouldn't be doing this, though. I'll say that. I probably would. Yeah. I just have more time to do my notes. <laughs> I'm happy for this to go on the top five. I thought Kurt was really good. And I do love a nice um, statistic in a promo. And he managed to sign the maths it. So uh, I think we have to even if the, bring even out if the, the stats. standard deviation of scepter sales, <laughs> the variance of tourism in Europe. Oh, come on, Chris. We have to leave something for SmackDown. Ah, uh, yeah, true. Yeah, it definitely goes on for me as well. It was just obnoxious all round. And yeah, did absolutely did its job. Right, Dan. Do you know what I'm just gonna get the uh, I'm just gonna get the stereotypical one for me out of the way early. I'm gonna go for William Regal versus Chris Jericho and the events that preceded it. So we cut to Jericho backstage, he's talking to some dude about how he got this fuzzy CD and they're a great band and they'll be playing on Sunday Night Heat. Then he turns around, spills coffee on Kane and says, sorry, champ, I hope that coffee didn't burn you. Kane flips out saying, burn me, burn me. You have no idea what it's like to be burning. Just decides, decides to trash the drinks table. You know, not not very nice. You know, the people are going to be using that. I just hope there was no beer on it. Then we go straight to William Regal versus Chris Jericho. Regal's already in the ring. I don't like the champion out first, but at least he got a promo saying as goodwill ambassadors to the WWF. I probably shouldn't say this, but most of you people are uncivilized. Here I stand in the capital of the state of Connecticut, knowing full well that this that the state produces more handguns that kill more people than any state in the union, uh, which gets a cheer. It gets a cheer. A cheer. Because <laughs> uh, America. Sorry, America. We, we don't, we're English. We don't understand your obsession with guns. And he just hears the pop says, and that, my friends, is why you were uncivilised. Jericho comes out, he starts doing his welcome to Mund- uh, welcome to Roy's Jericho. Says, and William Regal, or as I like to call you, uptight William, says, ah, hell, you're not even worth it. And just rushes the ring. And we get a good little bit of Regal and Jericho going back and forth. Some really nice, just quick wrestling, just quick counters. Regal's hitting, weirdly hitting like a version of a blue thunderbomb, exploiting Jericho's bad arm. Uh, trying for a double underhook that Jericho reverses into a vertical suplex that Regal then reverses and throws Jericho's shoulder first into the mat. 
just working it, working it around constantly. Um, Jericho catching a kick and hitting a dragon screw. And then all of that, all that few minutes of good wrestling. And then I pop because Kane comes out, just shoves Regal out of the way. Regal promptly fucks off because he just thinks, no thanks. Kane chokeslams Jericho one hand and it looks mint. Kane, the batch is thrown out, Kane hits his pyro. And he does that awesome thing where he exits the ring over the top rope backwards and lands on his feet. So I'm just putting that forward because it's Kane. Yeah. Just when you say enter, uh, exit the ring backwards, <laughs> I'm just thinking of that Wing Commander Nash, uh, former guest of the show, Wing Commander Nash uh, entrance that he did at Low Mall, where he sort of went round the whole crowd, went to the bar, down a pint, and fell over the top rope into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a classic. That was a classic, but still not as cool as Kane Bay, just sort of rolling backwards over the top rope and landing on his feet. That's <laughs> It just just spoiled our chances of getting Nash back on the show. No, I haven't. I, I thought it was really entertaining. The whole Regal promo, I lot. Yeah, I can't believe that about the gun control. And we get the whole. Um, yeah, that's just the most mental thing. Our <laughs> state it. kills the most people. Woo! Oh, it's, it's brilliant. We're number to... one. We're number one. Yeah, you, you can be a heel by decrying. <laughs> decrying gun crime I mean I, I guess to a certain extent there's probably other bits on this show where it does feel a bit upside down from 2021 eyes although maybe British 2021 eyes but. it's very much British 2021 eyes at least we got the you know Chris Jericho coming out and uh, welcome to Rory's Jericho and and just saying he's not even worth it and you know so he's not even going to do the shut the hell up yeah and just calling him uptight Willie yes yeah Job jokes are always funny. They are. Yes. It's funny because penises. Uh, and don't they start like a proper like blood feud between Jericho and Kane? Like I swear it ends in like a last man standing match or something like that. Like and you just think what a daft thing to start a feud over. Like, like a yeah, big... something like that. Well, I think the... I think the Intercontinental title gets involved at one point. Uh, yeah. It's not even the best involving spilling coffee in the business. The, uh, Eddie Guerrero or Eddie Bischoff uh, coffee angle, where the next week after he's had uh, coffee thrown on him, he goes out and throws coffee on himself to save Bischoff time. Yes, yeah, that was good, to be fair. That's an amazing Guerrero promo. It was. It was. But it didn't involve Cade, so it's inferior. <laughs> Sorry, the silence was deafening there. I thought it was about to get shot down. I don't see what you want me to say. No, you're wrong, Dan. Kane is shite. Like, I'm not going to say that, am I? Like, no, it's just Rob then, then popped up with a... Um, I think he said he's happy to put it on. I was quite surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to put it on, but I, I can't tell you what your opinion is, Dan. This is very different to Twitter. Not specifically yeah. Rob on Twitter, just people trying to tell people what their opinion should be. No, definitely specifically Rob on Twitter. Honestly, he's the first one. <laughs> But we know your special Kane powers, you know, even when Kane stuff doesn't make sense, you can make sense of it. So this is true. I do have the I do have the Kane translation powers. Yeah, I'm happy to put on the top five. What do you think, Chris? Ah, yeah, definitely. I think um, the whole thing, you know, from the backstage segment from, you know, Kane flipping out because of a bit of coffee that didn't have steam coming off of it going on to him. 
Then, you know, the whole Regal promo, the short match and the Kane interruption. Yeah, I'm happy to put that on. I think it was more the comment about being burned. Mm. Struck an nerve with him. They, you know, those, those, those well-publicised, like, facial burns that he suffered. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it was, you know, horrible. The scarring that he, he carries to this day, you know. Yeah, they just did a really good job with makeup covering it up. Uh, very inspirational that it didn't let him hold him back to becoming a politician. I don't know where to go from there with that. <laughs> wow, I don't know. He's just a poor man's abyss, really, isn't he? Yes, he is, right. 100%. Fuck off. Abyss is great, but he's no Kane, and he's certainly no Joseph Park. I was about to say, Joseph Park is infinitely better than corporate Kane. I'll fight you about that. No, I'll go along with that. Right, so it's me next. Um, so we've had two two positive points. So it's time for the turn in the punch bowl, which is um, Trish versus Lita. <sighs> well, it ended yeah. with a positive. Well, to be honest, in my in my top five, I've actually split that into two different things. Right. So I was about to say because it's a good thing and a bad thing. So I didn't know. Yeah, there, there was a really good thing at the end. I don't know if we want to take it separately. I want to look at this as a, a whole. So Lita's there in Mick Foley's quote unquote office, saying that she's wanting a match, and Mick Foley's saying that you're a respected champion, and um, are you sure you want to put the belt on the line in uh, you know this type of match? And she's saying whatever it takes, and it turns out to be a bra and panties match, and. It has the worst graphics I've ever seen in my life. There was graphics for this? Yes, and they were horrific. Now, Trish comes out, and it looks like she's already in her panties. I was about to say that. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Especially when she gets dressed later on, and she's wearing more clothes. But you wear yeah. more? I don't understand it. <laughs> Lord only knows. I mean, Jerry Lawler. Jesus Christ, I thought he was going to have an aneurysm during this match. He was just mm. so excited. Yeah, it was, the, it, it was, it was the equivalent of vomit um, raising to the back. I made a comment. I think I remember saying something like, um, at least Jerry Lawler had a bit of wit about him. Because I hadn't watched back some of the old Raws. And I'd just like to say I formally retract that statement. There was no wit about it. You know, you could go into any sort of high school and hear the same amount of um, wit and charm that you heard from Jerry Lawler. There was one line, but, I, you know, it got a slight nose exhale out of me, which is when he said to JR, the last time you saw a breast was in a KFC. Um, <coughs> but apart from that, yeah, that's what I mean. It was just a slight, huh. But besides that, you know, it was, yeah, it was pretty minging. Yeah, it was horrifically bad. I mean, just the way where he's going, look, JR, bra, bra. Yeah, like, like, there's nothing clever about that. Like, and the thing is, I think Jerry Lawler, with, you know, away from this sort of stuff, he's a good commentator. You know, he does have wit. He does have, no, I'm not going to say charm, because he doesn't, but, like, he has, you know, he has sort of, like, one-liners, what could make you chuckle. But when he's in this sort of environment, he's just the dirt worst. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I was saying, like I was saying, I think I've said before, he's the human equivalent of that bit of sick that rises up to your throat, back of your throat. Mm. Yeah, especially when it was pleasant. 
and he was shouting to the nearly naked Trish um, to come over here to commentary uh, oh. after the match as well. It was just oh. it just always it just like, everything like this just brings me back to the AJ Lee thing when she was on commentary with him, and oh, uh, she said and he, he made some comment and she just said. Oh, shut up, Jerry. I think I'm a bit. I'm think I'm a bit too old for you anyway. I'm 26. Yeah, yeah. And just completely. So, so we've gone, gone into the awful part of this segment. I don't know if we want to treat that on its own, or if we want to talk about what happens next. We can talk about what happens next, um, but then you know we can we can split it or put it lump it into one as we see fit. And I just want to say during the actual match itself, the leader hit a hurricane runner that looked like it just completely spiked Trish's head into the floor. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, this... That looked uh, brutal. Yeah. I mean, this was a good couple of years before Trish started to sort of kick on. She wasn't bad, but she wasn't good. It wasn't the cleanest match. But, you know, again, it's a brown and panties match, so it's not going to be, is it? Like, I'm actually amazed it took this long into covering these roles before we got to one. Is this really the first one? We had the, oh, shit, um, no, sorry, no, sorry, second. The second yeah, women's title match that we've had in, in WWF with a match like this. And then we had the unsanctioned lights out version with um, China and Lita previously as well. Although, Dan, I will pick up on one thing. Being this a, two, a review of a 2000 show and 2000 being the year of Scott Steiner, that wasn't a Hurricane Rihanna that she hit, that was a Frankensteiner. Mm. Fuck's sake! <laughs> All right, Frankensteiner. So, are we happy to put this on for a negative? Yes. Yeah. And then, if we've got too many things that we want to put on the top five, we can put the thing afterwards. We can put that onto the end of it. Yeah, if someone wants to bring that up, yeah. Top five now. It's not my choice next, Chris. It's your choice. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it now then. Yeah, so, um, I mean, yeah, smooth transitions. Yeah, I'm a professional. A professional that checks in the post. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, after this Grand Panties match, uh, we get Right to Sensor come out, which is definitely a gimmick that's of its time because, you know, we've sat here saying basically the same things that they were saying and they were getting booed for it. But... You know, I, I personally think they were really good heels. Um, I think Stephen Richards did a brilliant job uh, sort of being this sort of like crazed, sort of like almost cult leader. I think he was brilliant in that sort of role. He comes out and said that everyone in this arena should be ashamed for encouraging these women. And then he brings out a woman who deserves to be in the WWE. And it's the return of Ivory, who um, before this was very sort of, you know, bra and panties style heavy. Uh, but she comes out in an outfit which a Puritan would say was too conservative. And she cuts a promo saying that uh, she's seen the light and um, these women shouldn't be stripped of their pride. And yeah, I mean, the debut of Right to Censor Ivory, I think it was a brilliant addition to Right to Censor, which I really like Right to Censor as a group. Um, I think they were brilliant at getting heat. They were a brilliant group and they were of their time. I don't think, you know, it wouldn't work nowadays, but you know, back in 2000, it's the perfect heel gimmick. And yeah, I just thought this was great. You say that right to censor wouldn't work now. I actually think they would. Because you'd have one sort of one segment of the audience saying that basically being anti-censorship 
and saying censorship's bad, blah, 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 blah. And then the other half almost agreeing and just saying, you're right in everything you're saying, but not like that. I think it. I think a group like right to censor would work if given the given that you just have to adapt the framing slightly. Yeah, I, really yeah, think, I, think, it yeah, I think it could, but it wouldn't be like a one to one. Like if you did it like like an anti hardcore thing, that would work better than like this anti boobs that they had back then. Right? <laughs> anti boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Rick <laughs> boobs? <laughs> right to censor Rick Boogs. <laughs> now just that anti boob sound like a character from Viz or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really enjoy this promo as well. Um it's a, it's I think the second time in three weeks, Rob, that Stephen Richards has been involved in a really good promo segment. And yeah, I've um, I've knocked it out of the park as well. Yeah, they, they were both brilliant. And we actually commented on the last episode that um, it was a shame that although Stevie Richards was on the show, he didn't get a chance to cut a promo and, and yeah. the segment flat without him putting a promo. And, you know, he's, he's great on the mic and Ivory was great on the mic. And we get another moment of Jerry Lawless giving us where he said he's known Ivory for a long time and even Moses couldn't part those legs. Oh, oh. I missed that. I oh, like Oh, yeah, that is foul. But um, I was saying about the, you know, about the right to sense nowadays. The Ivory's promo was actually, like you say, Chris, a face promo. I think, yeah. like, like Stephen Richards would still draw heat. I don't think you'd find many people who disagree with what Ivory's saying. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I find myself agreeing with Dan Lambert in uh, AEW. I find myself agreeing with <laughs> Richards in 2000. Have, have, have we just got old, Rob? Because I, I, those those Dan Lambert old man yells at cloud promos that he cuts. I'm sat there going, he's got a point. Uh, <laughs> I love Dan Lambert because he's he's actually annoying people, and like it's all the positives of having Jim Cornette there without having Jim Cornette there. <laughs> Couldn't afford the Wendy's uh, expenses. Uh, <laughs> Going back to the, the segment before this, there's something I forgot to mention. The only half, well, not even half, the only sort of quarter of a redeeming feature on there was that you actually saw Mick Foley giving Lee to the option of taking part in the match and Trish Stratus had actually pitched the match. They hadn't just been thrust into it. Yeah, I mean, the, there was an actual, you know, story behind it. It wasn't just bra and panties because boobs. There was, right? at, least a, there was at least a token effort. It wasn't just Shawn Michaels yeah. saying Deborah and Sable evening gown match. Oh, wait, the women's champion is the one who got undressed the quickest. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. there was an actual attempt to sort of make them look half presentable, even though they were going into a bra and panties match. They were saying, they, you know, sort of, Talita, you're above this kind of thing. Which also goes back to what you're saying about how, you know, people d- disliking right to censor because of how... They- it's like whatever your parents said, it's not what you say, it's how you said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's right. Although, to be fair, I mean, the very last episode that we reviewed was yeah, the Raw one week earlier than this. And, you know, we have on there the 
testing Albert's cunning plan to um, win at poker by having Trish get completely nude. Yeah, that wasn't good. Although that happened the week before. The actual week before. The week before the one we reviewed. It was just a replay. But not that that makes it any better. Well, but, but there's, a, there's a clear recurring theme here, isn't it? But um, we'll, we'll get Trish in as few clothes as, as possible. I'm happy for this to go on the top five. Uh, yeah, so am I. Um, like I say, if we come across things that we want to um, put on, we can always lump in the, the women's title match and the right to censor promo because it happened back to back. And we had a, it'd be, I think it'd be the first instance where we have sort of a negative thing leading to a positive. Yeah. See you next time. Let's go for Edge versus the Conquistadors. Because this was just a bit weird. Obviously, we've had the uh, the Conquistadors in. Everybody, quote unquote, knows that the Conquistadors are Edge and Christian, but now there's some doubt because they're going to have a title match. Conquistadors beat uh, the Hardys for the tag titles at No Mercy the night before. And before, but just before that, before the match starts, we see uh, Edge get called away uh, because Commissioner Foley wants to uh, wants to speak to him or speak to one of them, and it says Pete Gas. Last seen on this show, been taken out by the Stooges, Patterson and Briscoe, in one of the most glorious segments ever. Uh, so Edge goes, yeah, comes back, and Christian's been taken out. It looks like he's been put through a table, allegedly, by the Dudleys. So they have to postpone the match, but Edge decides to go it alone. So Edge comes out, and due to the cowardly attack by the Dudleys, Edge is left to heroically go against one of the most reviled tag teams in WWF history, and he's totally going to take home the gold. Conquistadors come out. Edge looked a wee bit confused. It's it's a pretty short match. Edge gets a side headlock. He shoots off. There's a shoulder block. The Conquistadors really selling the offense. Drop toe hold. The Conquistadors frustrated and then catches Edge with an inside cradle for two. Edge shoves him, saying, "What the hell was that?" The Conquistador begs off, and it, you know it feels very much like the fix is in, or it should be in. And then when uh, the Conquistador kicks out of Edge's clothesline and gets the tag. Edge charges both of them to beat him down, and we start seeing some very familiar offense. We see a poetry in motion in the corner, a twist of fate, and a swanton for three. And then Christian comes out and very, very clearly, even to someone like myself who can't officially lip read, says, What the fuck was that? And the Hardys unmask on stage. And oh my god, the Hardys are the Conquistadors, yada yada yada. Foley comes out and it's, it's time for Detective Foley again. Like we uh, we had that awful, the rambling, twenty-five minute mess of bullshit on a previous episode. Thankfully, it didn't go that long. But fully saying, how can you be the conquistadors when you just wrestled them that last night? Is there a gap in the space-time continuum, or they've been using Edge's time machine? The possibilities are endless until fully received super secret footage. The cameraman Edge and Christian told to get lost earlier had left his left his camera rolling as he. Edge and Christian are talking to the Conquistadors, who they just refer to as Rick and Sparky, say that they looked a lot better in those gold suits last night. And after the title match, they can basically fuck off to wherever they came from. And then high-five each other and say, mask confusion rules. It's better than last week when they said that genital warts rule. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an actual yeah. thing? What yes, was the context? Yeah, yeah it was. Genital warts rule. They were looking for an excuse to get out of a match and they were sort of 
you know, brainstorming whatever it was. And, and then Edge came up with the idea of genital warts because he doubted that Mick Foley would want to check. <laughs> uh, and Mick Foley overheard them and then he came in and he said, oh, and by the way, genital warts do not rule. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I love Foley. He's great. Cuts back to Foley and then he says, you guys are so totally busted. And we get this sort of rambling explanation that Foley had convened a, a business meeting with the Hardys. The, oh, sorry, the Hardys had done a business meeting with the Conquistadors and convinced them to give up their outfits. But Edge and Christian had defied Foley's mandate to not have any more matches when the posers are Conquistadors. He admires their creativity, and as a result, he's allowing their title win to stand from the night before. But it's bad news. It'll go down as one of the shortest reigns of all time because he's also allowing tonight's result to stand. It was a lot of words for Foley to just say... Matt and Jeff are the champions again. Yeah, it was a lot of words. I will pick on one thing about that whole thing, though, Danny. You said we saw some very familiar offense from the Conquistadors. We didn't see any botches, so it can't be the hardest that we've been watching recently. There's <laughs> been four or five ricks in it. I mean, familiar for what we've seen since. Yes. <laughs> Love a bit of Foley. And this whole sort of segment, you know, it was definitely... A lot different from you know your average sort of wrestling segment, but yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was a very creative way to sort of get around the whole, um, you know, or our edging Christian the conquistadors. You know, it's a subversion from the typical, you know, or you know, like the Mister America types where they're clearly, you know, the master people who they say they're not. And yeah, I thought it was really well done, personally. And this is one of the moments that sort of you do see on highlight packages of the Attitude Era. We've talked a lot about, you know, hitting and missing the iconic moments. I don't know if you'd say this is an iconic moment, but it's certainly one that that gets replayed a lot. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, the Conquistadors were definitely, it was definitely memorable, even though they didn't seem to be around for that long. And I think this for for our show, at least, this is the first time we've seen the Hardys as, or first or second time we've seen the Hardys as major, sort of major stars and champions. It's really hitting home now. Obviously, they tagged in the main event the week before. Yeah. But this is where they're actually just, it's just them that's getting the pop of the knot with The Rock. Yeah, so I guess it's, you know, sort of a, a coming out for them, so to speak. Yeah, I'm slightly regretting us um, separating out the attrition leader and writer sense and stuff now, because uh, mm. we, we can yeah. lump them in. Ah, but, yeah. Because it was I all mean, the same segment. Yeah, I mean, this was on my top five in all fairness, so probably a bit disingenuous to not put it on. You going along with that, Chris? Oh, sorry, I didn't realise you were waiting for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can back that, definitely. Yeah. Oh, bless. Don't, don't, don't judge the lad too harshly, listeners. Like we said, he's poorly sick. Are <laughs> <laughs> so we going to have to lump in the women's match and right to censor? Has anybody got anything else that we want to put forward for a potential spot? I mean, the only other thing I really had was, well, I guess it kind of bundles into the Kurt Angle promo. So it was just sort of Kurt Angle through the night and including the main event sort of thing. But it, it kind of just is a wider one of that point. So yeah, that would be a little bit disingenuous because we'd be bunching together Trish Lee and Right to Censor to uh, spread out Kurt Angle. Yeah. Um, did you have any other honourable mentions, Chris? Well, I think the main event's definitely a notable moment um mm. but you know besides that i'm not 
not really much else. There's a lot of sort of short segments that you know probably made sense if you're watching week to week, but on their own they don't really stand out. Yeah, I mean my only other ones were the main event because it was the main event and there was obviously there was a lot of star power in there. It's it was Angle's first title defense and we get we do get a continuance to the uh, the Rikishi and Stone Cold storyline. But other than that, my only other thing was something we've already talked about, and, uh, and it was the tribute to Yoko, which I think, although it's notable, I don't know, it's always a bit sort of macabre to put something like that on the top five. I know we did, I know we did it for Heenan's tribute to Gorilla Monsoon, but that was um, sort of extenuating circumstances. That was something WCW didn't want him to do, and it had a bigger effect on the show going for you know throughout the show. Yes, yeah, of course. This, this was, yeah, this was very much. Here's the tribute to Yoko. Now on with the show. Bobby Heenan had to sit there for the rest of the night and and get through and entertain. So yeah, those were my only other two honourable honourable mentions. And as you say, it would be uh, it'd be a bit disingenuous to put the main event on when we've lumped in uh, Trish and Lever and Right to Censor. Yeah. So we've got our collective top five. But you did mention there that. Um, there was the continuance of the Rikishi Rock Stone Cold angle. And we did get uh, a promo in the ring with Rikishi and the Rock. I would hate the player, hate the game. Let me tell you something, Cole. You better booker it better. And that noise there means it's time for Steve O to booker it better. Where Steve O will, if Booker T's on the show, do an impression of Booker T. And if Booker T isn't on the show, he'll uh, put Booker into the angle and Booker it better. Let me tell you something, Cole. Let me tell you the reason why you feel so constipated. And all those hamburgers and hot dogs that you keep eating. But last night, and no mercy, you had a big old munch on a stone-cold ass whooping. But I'll tell you what, Cole. You take yourself out the ring, you can walk yourself up the ramp. And you will never, ever see Booker T again. So these Booker It Better segments seem to have turned into where Steve will parachute in both Booker T and Michael Cole into uh, any particular angle. And Michael Cole is constipated. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm always going to laugh when somebody's talking about poo. But when it's, uh, when it's Steve doing an impression of Booker T telling Michael Cole that he can't shit because he eats too many hamburgers and hot dogs. Yeah, it's not half bad. It's not half bad. I've got to say, he's going up against Stone Cold Steve Austin, and you can't book her better than Steve Austin. What you've got to consider is that it's not just that, it's the fact that Michael Cole ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) (laughs) It'd have made more sense than Rikishi. Yeah. It would. Thank you, um, Steve. Although I love those impressions. It was definitely entertaining. It's like the <laughs> show, really. So it looks like people have more beer on the go. Uh, I saw Chris actually cracking into a can uh, a moment ago. So I probably shouldn't be, but fuck it. Why not? What's the worst that can happen, eh? I have got to carry on with Miso Honey Blonde, which is Belching Beaver's. Honey Blonde at 5.5%. Then I've got a Belgian brown beer, which is called Tongello, and that is 6.5%. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. 
Oh. Oh. <laughs> were we both just like trying not to laugh because Rob said belching beaver? Oh. I the belching beaver on the can. <laughs> Rob's flashing his belching beaver at us. Oh, well, Rob, I've already told you about this. Oh, I should not be laughing at this. I am too old. But yeah, fuck it, it was I mean, fun. I, I, I can say from my point of view, I saw it. I, well, no, I heard it. Sorry, I saw a stifle my own laugh. Then I saw Dan stifling his own laugh, and that's what set me off. <laughs> uh, oh, fuck's sake! Would not be impressed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, got a tear in my eye. <laughs> I've got a couple more beers as well. Nothing, uh, nothing that funny, sadly. Uh, next up, I've got Seven Brothers uh, Brewing uh, Sling It Stout, uh, Sling It Out Stout. It's uh, made with upcycled cocoa pops. Um, basically, any spares that like run off the line or whatever, they've used cocoa, uh, <laughs> they've used waste cocoa pops to make uh, a chocolate stout. It's like a McFlurry. Then you've got the sweepings from the battery floor. Yeah, pretty much. And then I've got a, a Hercule stout from uh, uh, Brasserie de Legende, and I bought it because it's got Poirot on the label. Excellent. We could have used him last week when we had the Who's Done It sort of thing. A bit of agony yeah. in there. Yeah, uh, yeah I, just, I couldn't say no to, uh, to Poirot on the bottle. Superb. And I'm just cracking open a can of my pouncing penis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fuck I'm yeah. glad you turned the video off. <laughs> so now it's time for the ad break section of the show where we'll go through the ads that were featured on the show. So there was an advert for WWF takes over the stock exchange. Yeah, I thought this was like a precursor to them like selling NFTs or whatever they were called. Because this this was actually when they were launching on the stock exchange, so WWE was being floated as a uh, public limited company. So they're doing this thing about them taking over the stock exchange. It's gonna, you know, you can buy shares in WWE, all that sort of thing. They're trying to be a respectable company, and while they're doing this, and they've got the stock market ticker going along the bottom of the screen, they're focusing on the crowd, and the person they're focused on in the crowd has a hand drawn picture of China, and has decided to draw a topless. I did not see that at all. I zoned out when they started talking about the stock exchange. Mm. Yeah, so they're going to fit, fit in really well on Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, Fuck me sideways. I mean, yeah, no. It's like, I mean, I'm sure Jerry Lawler appreciated it. He fucking drew it. Yeah. <laughs> he is very good at art. So he is, actually. He, he did a brilliant painting of the Ultimate Warrior. Was he topless? <laughs> <laughs> fuck's sake, I Right, fuck it. Do you know, do you know who else was good at art? Hitler. Well, the clearly wasn't that good because he didn't get accepted. <laughs> Still better than most people. I, no, I'm confident that I would be a better artist than Hitler. Uh, <sighs> do, do you know what always gets me? Is that, you know, Hitler had a dog. And, you know, that dog, you know, must it, it, its whole life, you know, it saw Hitler as the greatest person who ever lived. You know, like, that dog would wake up and it would love Hitler. And, it would, uh, you know, then you could get, like, Goering in, you could get, like, Goebbels in, you could get, like, all, all the top Nazis that 
come into the room, whatever, and they'd all be like, oh, you know, like stroking Hitler's dog or whatever. And Hitler's dog would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love you. Like, you know what I mean? But I just really love Hitler. And that, would, that was the dog's entire existence. And I think that is very funny. Makes me sad. You're both staring at me disprovingly. No, I'm just I'm just confused and a little bit pissed. I do think it's funny though that some dogs have jobs and others just piss around all day. So you know you've got like a police dog and a guard dog and a blind dog and all, all these sort of different sheep dog, all, all the sort of functions that they do. And they're going about doing the job and they get no days off. And then they just see this dog running around in the park and they're like, what's, what's, <laughs> this? Yeah, what's this about? That must be how non-furloughed people felt about furloughed people during say, the yeah. pandemic. To be fair, Dan, I never once saw you running around the park. <laughs> well, no, it was more just waddling with a, with a Labrador into Labrador's on furlough too. Talking about the adverts on the show, there was a... <laughs> Now that we've come away from the Nazi high command, there was an advert for Warriors uh, Might and Magic, which, um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they, were, they were playing at SS schools, Chris. And I'm sure you've got some comments about that. <laughs> Never played it. All this week on Live with Re- Regis, they were uh, promoting the Can You Take the Heat cookbook. It said it was every day this week, but there was only four days they were appearing on, which there was going to be Triple H, Lita, Kurt Angle and Stone Cold Steve Austin cooking. Fair enough. Mainstream crossover, can't argue with it. Chris Jericho was promoting Fozzie's first CD. Ever so subtly. Yeah, before he got himself in trouble. Technically, I think during that JR sort of diatribe, while the crowd were cheering for uh, the amount of people that guns created in uh, Connecticut and how many people they'd killed. Yeah, I did mention Smith and Weston and Colt. He did, yeah. Yeah, as everybody was cheering death. We've got another advert for WWFShopDones.com, which, as Jerry Lawler keeps saying, is the largest WWF shop in the world. Uh, technically, he's not wrong. No, he's not. But But he's... Somehow talking in terms of floor space, probably. So it's he's not wrong, but he is wrong. Yeah, because he's Jerry Lawler. An advert for perennial nitro favourite of Snickers. I mean, um, during like uh, ninety six, ninety seven, that used to be on the ring mat, and now they're defected to Raw. So no, another big name jumped across. There'd be one big defection, I'd say, in the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, and well, Castle GTX. Well, they'll just sponsor anyone, really. I mean, we, we should probably contact them. The amount of sponsorships are in Nitro and get for Castrol GCX. <laughs> oh, Castrol. Wrestling-related. Boom. Instant. I'm still waiting for the Milton Karate Fighters match between the two of you. I think that would be entertaining, definitely. We could live-stream it on Radio Techers. We'd get upwards of seven viewers, I reckon. Uh, no, because we wouldn't be watching it, so they'd be back down to five. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't a swipe at Techers, by the way. It was just a swipe at my ability to draw. Oh, well, and, and our perennial watching of Techers. And that. Uh, this is never ending fucking can. I feel like I've been drinking this for yonks, but it still tastes good. Uh, that's the main thing. Yeah, as long as it doesn't taste like arseholes. Uh, exactly. And to be fair, if I've paid for it, even if it does taste like assholes, I'm going to finish drinking it. Exactly. You're not going to return it halfway through, are you? So. 
So now it's time for um, adverts we've had for the show in terms of shout out. So Mags at Podfather Mags said that my tape trading of 2000 draws in an all you can eat Mexican restaurant while pissed was brilliant. Not, not much changed, really. Whoa. Oh, it sounds like Dan was opening a bottle of champagne there. What are you celebrating? No, that's the uh, that's the Hercule Stout. Wow. Um, I, just, I wasn't expecting it to be that loud. Sorry. Frank Jofo left another review for us on Podbean, so thank you very much for that. Thank you. Andy at Bam Bam Podcast said that Dan was cruelly uh, persuading young lads to uh, get into wrestling and um, bringing the same level of shame to them that we had. Disgusting. That's, that's not true at all. It was completely unintentional. I just happened to talk about wrestling a lot in the pub. There was no active effort made to get Cam into wrestling. Mm. Is there any any active effort with you, Dan? Uh, no. The other way. I, I think Dan was so drunk he can't remember. I think there's going to be a dark side of the ring. <laughs> Dan <laughs> fucking hell. Wrestling. <laughs> That's a bit strong. <laughs> James at uh, 90s Wrestling Pod said that, uh, and he, he wasn't specific about this, he said that um, last Monday had been the most uh, downloads that, that, that they'd had on the 19, 90s Wrestling Pod channel i mean we come out on a monday so may well have been part of that but it was actually hey, that is all us well it on our own channel last monday was actually our second most downloads we've ever had so well that probably means we didn't have any of them on james's channel but, uh, <laughs> or, or it means we're incredibly successful so one, one or the other i choose right, to i think it's more likely yeah horatio max at horatio underscore max from the love of aw podcast uh, said that he really enjoyed last week's show and uh, hopefully the Love of AW uh, podcast will be coming back soon. I fingers crossed. And Rob, you, uh, I believe you put out a call for uh, for guests for Horatio as well. I know he's had some response, so fingers crossed. Good stuff. Steve-O, I told Steve-O, posted his blooper reel from uh, recording his impressions, so thank you very much for that. 153 takes. And Graham at Good Bad Wrestle asked um and and you know this is the devil's advocate question asked us if ipas are just pumpkin spice lattes for basic white dudes yes they are and that's why i prefer stout that's all i've got i've been thinking about that for a full day and that's the best i can come up with Uh i do do quite like ipas but i am pretty basic so (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just pretending not to be so, in terms of the award section of the show, Chris, as you're the guest, what would you give match of the night to? Well, there's not really many options, really. I think by default it has to go to the main event, really. I really enjoyed it. It was a fun triple threat match. Even though it ended with a DQ, I still think that it was probably the best match of the night because it went more than two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, when Dan said that um, the Kane Jericho had gone a few minutes, I was like thinking a few is very optimistic for how long. It, it took me a few minutes to watch because I had to keep pausing to make my notes. <laughs> it only took three then. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would go for the main event as well. Uh, I put on my notes brackets. It was the least bad match on the show. I hated the end of it. But that, that probably says where I feel about the, the wrestling content of the show. Dan? It's a clean sweep. Yeah, Angle Triple H Rock uh, in the main event. It was the action, like you say, the action that we got was in ring was uh, was really really good, head and shoulders above the rest of the show. 
had an inexplicable dirty finish because why the hell is a match thrown out for interference in a triple threat? Yeah. But the actual action in ring was really good. They worked it really well. They had a nice uh, sort of standoff between uh, Rock and Triple H before Anders Angle made him wait and then they both just decked him, which was fun. And then they sort of took turns with, you know, Angle versus The Rock and Angle versus Triple H. Really nicely worked triple threat. Yeah. Yeah. Superb. Chris, what would you give your moment of the night to? Personally, I'd give it to Ivory's return. I think that was brilliant. It was a good promo. It was well done. It was placed right after the right segment. And I just think overall it was really well done. And it, you know, starts the run of Ivory, which probably defines a career. And it was a great way to kick it off. Yeah, I'd give it to Ivory's return, definitely. Yeah, although to be fair, we, we keep mentioning that we may go back and watch the original Glow, so there, there might be something else that'll be fine career. But yeah, I, I would go for Ivory as well. I, I thought it was a brilliant promo, you know, really counterpointed the bullshit that came before it. You know, so I thought it was brilliant. Dan? moment of the night is uh, Austin coming back within the main event, just quite simply because it was the biggest pop of the night. The crowd was so into it. Um, Austin spent the whole night saying, oh, Austin isn't going to be there. And he's, you know, he's in a jail cell, he's negotiating bail. And yet there he is to beat the fuck out of Rikishi, stunner angle, drink beer and send the crowd home happy. Uh, really does feel like, um, you know, Austin must stun in this era. But, you know, if it gets a loud pop, it gets a loud pop. So Yeah, yeah Austin by no means had overstayed his welcome at this point. It's not like on WCW when they were trotting Hogan out and it, we all just felt a bit tired and yeah. shit. If Austin had been there screaming yappa pie, though, you'd have thought that felt uh, tired and shit as well. Um, yes. Maybe he needed to make up his own Indian tribe. Yeah. <laughs> you should have done. One of the things that really annoyed me about this sort of angle, and, you know, it's a classic thing in wrestling where they do this, you know, getting arrested and coming back sort of thing. I think it would, it, to me, it would make more sense if they played that out for longer. You know, if they arrested and, you know, they have... Michael Cole stood outside the courthouse sort of reporting and it's not that weak or whatever or, you know, it, it, there's some sort of due process in, involved. But just the, oh, yeah, he can just come back and resume his job even though he's tried to kill Rikishi. I mean... In know. fairness, Rikishi started it. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's how the law works, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, if someone tries yeah. to murder you, you're allowed one attempt to murder them. That's how it works, tip for tap. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like in cricket. If you catch it in one hand on the first bounce, it's still out. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Who would you give your MVP of the night to, Chris? I'd give it to Kurt Angle personally. I think that he was just very fun throughout the night. Whether it was his promo or him, you know, getting the piss beaten out of him or him delivering German suplexes. I think overall he was absolutely brilliant. I love this sort of era. I love, you know, 2006 Kurt Angle, you know, the sort of like wrestling machine type, but I also love this sort of like goofy side of Kurt Angle, you know, we'll see it more, you know, later as we get further on with Team Wreck. But yeah, personally, I love this Kurt Angle and that's why I give my MVP of the night to. Yeah, good choice, Dan. Uh, my MVP of the night is The Rock. Book ended the show. He did his typical sort of high level rock promo uh, against Rikishi in the opening segment, um, which 
it wasn't maybe not Rock's finest work, but even Rock's mediocre work is still better than the vast majority out there. And then obviously he took part in our match of the night. Uh, so it's the Rock for me, but I was very tempted to give it to Kurt Angle. Superb. I've gone for Stone Cold Steve Austin. While I don't think the story necessarily makes narrative sense, it, it's a massive pop. That's who everyone's there to see sort of thing. So, you know, he, he certainly brought the crowd up. So, fair play. So, Dan, who would you give the René Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut the night? So, Well, mine is actually one that I feel I've overlooked on a couple of previous episodes of Raw. It's a, a family favourite so to speaking, that he was my brother's favourite wrestler growing up, and that's Scotty Too Hotty, who, bless him, is now a zombie in canon. Uh, but it's for the uh, for Scotty Too Hotty and his spikes sticking about the top of the uh, the fisherman's hat. Yeah, I did exactly the same. Um, yeah, you, you can't go wrong with that, really, can you? It's like um, Kiki with a hat, really. Yeah, it's... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's when he's not getting hacked by ISIS... And because I think he's an NFL team. What's Scotty Too Hotty? Yeah, Scotty Too Hotty. Not Keith Lee, not the person we were talking about. No, Scotty I was talk- Too Hotty. I was talking about Keekwe in WCW. <laughs> yeah, Keekwe, not Keith Lee. <laughs> oh, I thought you said Keith Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, what I said just made no sense then. Pretty much, that's like why I was confused. <laughs> so who would you give your haircut of the night to Chris? Well, I mean, when he's not getting hacked by ISIS, I think Edgy's hair was brilliant. That's why I give my hair the night. I mean, you can easily see why he got some advertising work for it, you know, a couple of years later. Yeah, I think it was great. But I will give an honourable mention to Eddie's mullet as well. I thought that was great as well. Yeah, good work there. What would you give your sound of the night to Chris? Well, there wasn't really too many, to be honest with you. Like... There were a lot of signs, but there weren't many good signs. There were, like you know, Dan was saying, there were either one of the Rock's catchphrases or some at 316. I will say there were two that caught my eye, really. I'm sure Dan will have seen a few more. But there was one which was a life-size cutout of the Rock in a chef's hat, <laughs> which, you know, it took a bit of effort, so fair play. Um, a on it as well. Yeah, I know, that was brilliant. And there was another one which I, you two probably won't have caught. It was um, it was during the um, Too Cool versus Taz and Raven match that I saw a sign. Uh, it it was on the not hard cam side, and it just said "Game O" with three H's. <laughs> that that just made me laugh when I saw it. <laughs> no, I didn't catch that one. But that's a good spot. No, me neither. Go on, Dan. Right, I've, uh, I've made it to the top of my notes this time, so I can actually go from the start to the finish. Uh, the first couple of signs I noticed in the opening opening pyro, to be fair, was Kurt Angle stole my Wheaties, a uh, reference to his uh, Olympic gold medals, and they always put Olympic gold medalists on uh, Wheaties boxes in America. Somebody had a sign there that said, Willie Regal put me in this seat. So obviously a big William Regal fan. Uh, that was the point where I saw The Rock cut out with a chef's hat and the apron. And then there wasn't really much else until the uh, the road, bo- uh, road Dog versus Stevie Richards match where somebody had a sign that was cut out to look like a tooth and it just said, Benoit, lose something with a question mark. Yeah, um, a lot of effort was put into that sign and I appreciated it to mock a guy missing a tooth. In the Kurt Angle-Stephanie promo, there was uh, somewhat a sign that simply said, Angle Schmangle. 
which <laughs> well, made me chuckle. Of that one. Yeah, and then one that simply said, don't cry, Kurt, because there was a lot of mockery for Kurt Angle being overcome with emotion, uh, winning the WWF title, which, again, hasn't really aged very well with 2021 eyes. Uh, in the same segment, there was a guy that had a sign that said, I've got wood. Uh, evidently somebody who really, really enjoys balloons and confetti. During the Too Cool versus Taz and Raven match, there was a sign that said Worm King. Don't know why, but I spotted that. It was one of the few original ones. In the Billy Gunn versus Valvinus match, there was a sign that I'd seen previously in the show, but it only made sense at this point, saying, we took a shower with Eddie. Which is obviously in reference to uh, Eddie Guerrero being caught in the shower with a couple of women, I believe it was Mandy and Victoria, and that led to... uh, to Eddie and China breaking up. I think that's how it went down. But my sign of the night is from the main event. A few people had a sign that said, size does matter. And it, by the looks of things, it was written on a bed sheet. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> and they're just like, they decided to hold up a massive fucking bed sheet, block the view of so many people just to make a penis joke. <laughs> and I respect, I respect that. Yeah. yeah. Superb. I saw one that said Backlund for Congress, so they're still hanging on to that storyline. God bless him. Bob Backlund's brilliant. Someone must have been brave, given um, how much money and uh, high-powered lawyers The Rock has. They had a sign that says, The Rock Humps Cows. (laughs) Is that a reference to the Bret Hart Humps Cows sign, I'm assuming? Lord only knows, I was just sorry. But there the was one sign that was an absolute stroke of genius, and I can only think it's a plant. So Mick Foley was really wondering, you know, how on earth Edge and Christian could have um, fought the Conquistadors if they were the Conquistadors. Mm. You know, and he talks about a rip in the space-time continuum. He talked about time travel. Someone in the crowd had a drawing of a flux capacitor. <laughs> Um, Only you could spot that, Rob. I didn't see yeah. it. The way it was going, I thought you were going to make a Techno Team 2000 reference, but no. Yeah. I, I don't even know what that is. There, there were a short tag team that uh, weren't very good. They had, the, they had the word 2000 in the name. That's how you know they're good. Uh, every, yeah. Uh, everything, with, everything with 2000 in the name was good. So, Chris, what would you rate the show out of 10? I actually really enjoyed this show. I think it was it didn't linger on anything too much. And I, I feel like it was very snappy, something that, you know, modern day Raws could, you know, take note of. It flew by and there were quite a few entertaining segments. Yeah, I'd definitely give it probably I mean if we're giving half grades, it'd probably be a seven and a half. But if we're not, it'd probably be an eight. I think I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, I thought it was good. Well, um, normally we give half our full. When Lauren was on the show, she gave like a, a had a point three on the end. So right. seven point five. That was only because I made reference to you not liking decimals, Rob. Yeah. No, but uh, half points are absolutely fine. Dan, what would you rate it? It's a bit of a funny one for me because when I actually watched this, I thought it was a a, a bit lacklustre, but. Um, since we've been talking about it, I'm wondering if it was more my mindset at the time because I was I was a bit knackered, you know, and I, I'm just sort of watching it and getting through it and all that. But there was some a lot of it did feel middle of the road, but there were 
sort of high points that we've mentioned, you know, the uh, the angle stuff, the right to censor story was interesting, the, even though we've not touched on it so far, Eddie in China. But there's also just a, a lot of stuff that I didn't really care about. You know, uh, the the Rock and Rikishi's feud, Rikishi and Stone Cold's feud, Rock and Triple H, Tri- Triple H's family situation. I just, I didn't really give a shit by this point. And it, it really worries me. I mean, we've gone from hot to not in a week over the uh, Rikishi storyline. Yeah, but if it, that, the problem is with last week's show that we looked at, they were building to the big crescendo. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And now we're at the point where the big the big crescendo's happened. And now we're still going. So the only way to go from that is down. Yeah. And it's outstay and it's outstaying its welcome. Production elements of the show were pretty much on point. As usual, King's commentary was a low point. Everything else was solid or better. There wasn't a right lot to go on in ring, as we mentioned. A couple of decent promos. The storyline stuff, it's one of those where it was trying, but it just, I've mentioned before, it just wasn't really hitting home. The the fans were hot. So it, it's, I really, I, I wanted to give it a five, but I've sort of, by my own logic, I have to give it, I have to give it about a six, which is just, you're sort of just above average. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, I sort of see what you're saying. I, I will give it a five. I won't be as generous as you. I think our review of it has probably been quite favourable. I think we've picked the diamonds out of the rough. And yes. there was a lot of... There, there were some good moments on the show. There was some bullshit on the show. And there was a lot of... Meh, you know, and the fact that this is the first time we've agreed a top five out of just the first five that I mentioned. Oh yeah, uh, sorry, I was, I was that just hit my mind as well. That I think that is the quickest, certainly in, within memory, that we've rattled through the top five, good or bad. Because there's nothing else that's notable. It's just kind yeah. of there for a two-hour show to have five points. And bear in mind that right to censor thing was was probably less than a minute. You know. The Kurt Angle promo was a couple of minutes. You're really sort of picking very small bits out. So, yeah, it, it, it was a pretty underwhelming show to me. So, in terms of the reviews it's had elsewhere, would you be surprised that Cage Match gave it a, well, I'll say, quote-unquote, average of 8 out of 10, although there's only one vote on Cage Match? Is that you, Chris? <laughs> well, no, it would have been 7.5. So. Yeah. to to be fair i looked on wrestling data so there's one vote on cage match which is an eight out of ten two votes on wrestling data so only three in total um one gave it five out of five i think it's the same joker that just rates everything five out of five Uh, and one gave it zero out of five so another another joker there but i mean that pretty much comes in an average of six out of ten between them if, if you believe them i was about to say it's a pretty nebulous average that you've sort of You've cobbled together three very different <laughs> reviews there. If you want to go away and perform some Cook's distance analysis to, to show which ones are outliers and which ones aren't, then we can we can do that. But I may well oh. do that at some point. Graham just ejaculated. I did just slip that in for Graham, to be fair. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that one before. 
talking about Cook's distance. So this is the last Chris Kresge show that we're going to review. You fucker, I was taking a drink then. I, I didn't know you felt that strongly about the Chris Kresge shows. No, when you said about, never mind. Look, <laughs> it's knob jokes that he feels strongly about. <laughs> Penises. Penises are inherently funny, to be fair. It's got a little bit. Just uh, flops about. Sorry, Rob, we're, we're very rudely interrupting you. Go on. No, so I'm just saying that this is the last Chris Kresge show we're going to review. Oh, so. no. Oh. I know. Disaster. So, so, any thoughts about Chris Kresge's time in charge of creative? Really? It were, it were a mixed bag, weren't it? It were all over the shop. It really was. I mean, for me, the, one of the things that's really striking about this period is it, it's really obvious that we've left the era of the bullet point promos and we've got into the scripted promos and whoever's writing Tony Blair's promos is writing a lot of promos on these roles. Yeah, it, mm. it's lost. For, for the vast majority of people, it's lost that spontaneity. Yeah. Apart from it, apart from people who either deliver it very well or are still given the freedom like your Austins and your Rocks. I think there's a difference there. I think some people are really good at, you know, delivering lines. So obviously, you know, the Rocks are an extremely accomplished actor now sort of thing. Um, you give him some lines and he can deliver it in a realistic way. And other people like Triple H has felt so wooden during this era. Yeah, but the thing is, Triple H felt wooded and dull when he was just sucking the life out of the room in 95 and 96. But Vince felt wooden during this era when we've seen Vince, you know. Um, yeah, true. Maybe not the start, but certainly certainly early days in the micromanaging. Yeah, I think the other thing about this period is, you know, previously when Russo and Ferrara were there, there was just Russo, Ferrara and, and Vince doing the stories. I mean, this is the time when WWF slash E are going to start pumping up the recruitment and getting casts of thousands in the writers' room. Yeah, which is just, it, it's just more cooks to spoil the broth. Yeah. I mean, I can understand the logic where you're introducing SmackDown, which is another hour of TV, so you need more people. You can't just rely on three people to do three hours of TV a week. Oh, no, absolutely. They've sort of proved to themselves in in the very recent past at this point that that small teams work. Mm. And obviously this is with a lot of hindsight because we've seen what happens when it's, you know, writing by committee. And it either just it's like a, a a film or a video game that's get that gets focus tested into nothing. It promises so much at the outset, and when it comes along, it, it's just an like just another action film or mm. just another grey and brown first person shooter. Because everybody's driving towards what they think people want rather than listening to the voices that are actually something creative and mm. entertaining. Yeah, it does feel a bit um, like wrestling by numbers at this point. It's it's not it's not as bad as that yet, I don't think. But well, it, not, it's, it's it's the early stages of it. Yeah, you, you feel it. I, I guess to a certain extent, maybe maybe we're sort of looking at this with a lens of knowing what's going to happen for the next twenty-one years after this point. Yeah, you know. Definitely I mean, are, yeah. just as standalone shows. I mean, I've done two shows with you. I did a Russo in two thousand. And I did this show here. And personally, I'd much 
I'd much rather watch this show back than the Russo show back. I mean, again, you know, all wrestling's subjective and all that, but I much prefer this show. Yeah, well, I mean, wrestling's buffet. I, I much prefer the Russo show. To be fair, I mean, I think I gave that an eight, and I'm giving this one a five. I think you were pretty much in the ballpark <laughs> for, for both of them. <laughs> uh, well, I think yeah, I, I think yeah, I can't remember, I can't remember what I gave that Russo show. show. The Russo show. I said to my, oh, I absolutely hated it. I, I really didn't like it. I feel like I wasted my time four out of ten or something like that. Like, I, I remember giving it a really generous rating. I would think from the ratings we've given, we, we, if, you, if we average those out between the three of us, they're, they're probably pretty much in the ballpark, which yeah. probably goes to show that, you know, obviously you've liked this more I like that more. Dan's... That doesn't <laughs> like anything. Splinters on the fence. Yeah. And not even intentionally, because I've said before on this show, I am, for nostalgia purposes, I am more predisposed to like Raw. Mm. It's just a fact, you know, we've seen it both ways. You know, I rated a, I rated a Raw like a, a 7 or an 8 out of 10. Rob rated it like a 3 or a 4. Rob rated a, a Nitro an 8 or a, what, a 7 out of 10. I rated it a 4 or a 5. The one thing I'll say about these Raws, though, you know... For all that I thought this was pretty meh, this is still a lot better than those Sullivan Taylor, Sullivan Taylor and Ferrara and Itros. They were very hard to get through, and it's better than this week's Raw. Oh, yeah. I'll have to take your word for it. I, I don't bother with it. I, I, I can't sit and watch a three-hour show. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'd rather watch this show again in its entirety than watch one of them top ten moments of Raw videos that they do each week on YouTube, WWE, I'd much rather watch this show because it feels more snappier. Like, <laughs> and I think that's just a sort yeah. of indicative of how boring and formulaic modern Raws have become. I meant to say, Chris, um, when I was sort of running down my thoughts on the show, you were absolutely spot on with the pacing. Even though a lot of the individual elements felt a bit mad, the pacing of the show was spot on. I praise him when he fucks off. Yeah, well, I'm here. I'll agree to disagree on that point, Dan. It was, though. Like, it, there was a few bits that were mere, but it, I still got through it a fair clip. It's by no means the worst thing we've watched. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't bad. It just, you know, for me, it was just kind of bad. There weren't a right lot to blow you away. No. Well, the, the thing is, and as I say, uh, I think the review we've we've done is, you know, we've picked out some really positive moments from it. Yeah. You know, which just got to show that maybe sometimes when you when you're looking at the moments rather than the um, totality of it all, different dimension. I think one thing we can all agree on is it's not as amusing as the uh, the Keith Lee Cougars rugby league team having their website hacked by ISIS. I will that say was very amusing. Yes, I can agree on that. <laughs> he's back <laughs> he is back that's why I dropped that in there uh, I yeah. think that that does have to be a uh, a bonus episode uh, we told uh, me and Rob we were telling Dan about that story and he just thought we were absolutely bullshitting him <laughs> well we'll save that for a bonus episode we won't, we won't uh, uh, Keith with stories after me get pissed and talk about uh, talk about ISIS hacking a a rugby league team that'll be that's really on brand for uh, for a wrestling podcast and the world famous carrot museum don't forget that one hey, <laughs> it's, it's, it's 
spoilers in, in the words of uh, Doctor. So, Chris, where can people find you? Uh, in the street. No, you can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore BFC underscore. Uh, I'm not very active on there, but you know you might see a tweet of mine. You can find me on Radio Techers. I do analysis on there, so you can follow them on YouTube, on Twitch, on Twitter. It's all the same at Radio Techers. You can listen to the anti football podcast that I do um, at anti football pod, and yeah, yeah, do that. Ta. Superb, Dan. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting wrestling that's about six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. Although this week I actually started American Horror Story on uh, Netflix, which is only 10 years out of date. So I'm uh, I'm slowly getting better. I'm slowly catching up. Uh, you've uh, come into the 21st century. Only fucking just. Yeah. Um, you can also find me on the monthly pay-per-view reviews on that 90s wrestling podcast, which you can find at 90s Wrestling Pod on Twitter and YouTube. Superb, and coming soon on Bam Bam Podcast by all accounts. But by the time this drops, the Bang Bang episode would have already dropped because that's coming out on uh, on Mondays. We record on the Friday. All right, so so go about a month back in the archives. <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about the mutuals than it is about the followers, so I'm more than happy to follow back if you follow me. You can find the show either on its own channel, um, on Booking the Territory, or on that 90s Wrestling Podcast channel. On that 90s Wrestling Podcast channel, there's uh, plenty of interviews that James has done with previous heads of creative, like um, Eric Bishop, Vince Russo, etc. So the next episode that we're going to cover is Stephanie McMahon's highest episode when she's in charge of creative. Um, so that'll be interesting. Mm. Yeah, it will. Can't wait to get into that. It'll be a good time. Thank you for listening. I captured the Intercontinental Championship. In this very city, mind you. Listen this to this And I became the first ever Eurocontinental Champion in WWF history. Well, besides D'Lo Brown, but he doesn't count. We know that. <laughs> 